Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Today, we are starting a new series called The Holy Spirit Experience, and I wanted to start with that video because it's so good in explaining so much that if you've been here any amount of time, you know that would have taken me four sermons at about 60 minutes per sermon to get through all of that. Um, Today, if you're on our email list, um, or if you'd like to be, we're going to send you some more information that will include a link to that video. Um, And if you're not on our email list, you can just text the word loop to our text number, 512-714-3334, and we'll send that email out to you today. What we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. There's been a lot of confusion inside of the church and a lot of confusion outside of the church on what that means and is it still available to us and is it from God or is it demonic or is it, did, it, did it die away with the disciples and, and is it available to us today? Um, I'll never forget a couple years ago I met someone and I met someone outside of the church and I invited them to church, and they came, and they came the first week. And, you know, everybody who comes the first week, they're going to say, oh, pastor, it was amazing. I loved it. I love this church. And like, yeah, yeah, we'll see if you show up again next week, right? And so the next week, the second week, they came, and they came back. And, and um, the third week, they came back. And the fourth week, um, the fourth week, what happened was in our service, we had uh, a tongue that was given and an interpretation, a, a move of the spirit, a spiritual gift was showed up and, and did that. And, and this person heard people around them praying in tongues during that service. And this apparently was the first time um, that they had heard this. And so I saw them that week and I went to them and like, hey, man, it's been so good seeing you at church, you know, lately. And and they said, Pastor, do you have a minute? Can, can I talk to you? And they pulled me to the and they said, hey, listen, I really love worship at your church. Your people are amazing. Now, they're saying this. I would never, this is not my church, nor are y'all my people. (laughs) That's not the way this goes. (laughs) This is God's church. But anyways, um, and and they uh, they said, I love worship. I love your preaching, but I am never coming back to the church. And I was like, oh, you loved it that much, huh? You loved it so, yeah, but anyways, and I was like, really? Well, did we do something or something happened? I said, no, no, no. Well, well, okay, so growing up, I was always taught that if someone prays in tongues, that they, that was of the devil. And that if a church had tongues and interpretation of tongues, then that is no longer available to us, and you need to run far from that church. So I can't go back to faith for life because, like, I just, I've always been taught not to believe that. And, and here was, the, like, there was no conversation. There was, here is what I am not going to do because I've been taught this. Now, I don't want to speak directly to that or, or bash that in any way, but what we want to do over the next three weeks is we want to give you guys what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is and what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what is praying in tongues. We want to give you an opportunity to be able to ask questions. And so on September 8th, at the end of this service, at the end of this series, we're going to have a live um, discussion 
after service where we can ask questions and, and you guys um, can get answers to whatever it may be that isn't covered over the next three weeks. Many of you all have heard my story, but uh, my story really fits to kick this, this series off. I didn't grow up in church. I got saved when I was a freshman in college, and I got saved at a place where there wasn't many churches. There wasn't hardly any churches, and so the first two years while I was in junior college, I didn't learn anything about God. I didn't know anything. I had no concept of right or wrong or any of that. I'd never heard of the Holy Spirit. I got a basketball scholarship to go play at Oral Roberts University. If you know anything about Oral Roberts University, it's a charismatic university, and um, I didn't even know what charismatic meant. I had never heard of Oral Roberts nor the school. All I knew was it was a Division I basketball opportunity, and they were going to pay for my school, so I'm in. I get there. The first week, they say, you got to go to chapel, which is church. I don't even really know what that means. So I'm like, cool. I'm, I follow Jesus. I don't really know what that means either, but I'm a Christian, so that's fine with me. I go, and the very first service, this guy gets a microphone who's the president of the university, who is Oral Roberts' son, and he starts praying in tongues on the microphone. And I'm looking around like, what just happened? What is going on? Like, and I'm looking around, and all these students are praying in other tongues. I don't know that that's what they're doing. They're just speaking gibberish. Like, everything was good. The music was good. These people seem intelligent. Like, I've been in Georgia all my life. I don't know about Oklahoma, so I don't know how to, but they seem intelligent. Like, they, they, no, nobody's saying y'all. I mean, the little people, but not little people, a little bit of people, a few people. <sighs> stay with me, stay with me. And, and I'm like, everything's good, and all of a sudden, these people just start speaking this gibberish, and everybody's doing it. And if you don't know anything about it and you've ever been in a service like that, it's intimidating. It, it will freak you out. It freaked me out. Can I, can I say that? I already said it. I already said it. It's out there. Like, like it, I, I was like, I, I, I was ready to pack up my dorm room and drive as fast as I could home with no context of what this was. So I called my dad. And y'all have heard this story. I called my dad. I said, Dad, these people here are crazy. They just start talking, and it's not, it's not English. It's not Spanish. I'm sure it's not French. It's not, it, it is gibberish. And they're all, like, doing this, like, loud and, like, for real. And he's like, well, you don't got to stay there, but you ain't coming home. <laughs> so y'all have heard the story. Y'all heard the story. You know how it goes. I'm like, well, Dad, you know, they're not that crazy. It won't, like, rub off on me. Like, you know, I guess I can handle it because uh, I've never had a job. I got no skills. If for no degree, like, I got nothing. I can't come. If I can't come home, I don't know. <laughs> so I stayed, and I stayed at Oral Roberts for two years, and I, and I learned about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues and speaking in tongues. But for two years, I, I never prayed in other tongues. I didn't. I didn't. Listen, I'm not the guy that because everybody does it, I'm going to do it. Just because you tell me to do it doesn't mean that I'm going to do it or I'm going to believe it. Like, I'm not that guy. Peer pressure doesn't do anything to me. I don't, I don't even feel it. it just, I'm just not that guy. I'm, that's just not me. I got a lot of other flaws. That's not one of them. So, so two years. Everybody around me is praying. Everybody's, I mean, if you know anything about Old Roberts University, I mean, there's miracles happen every week. There's, I mean, it's, it, is, it, is, it is amazing. Two years. I never, I never prayed in tongues. Then I went to, I finished playing basketball and went to graduate school. And um, two years of graduate school at Oral Roberts, same thing, never prayed in tongues. Four years there. Every week you're teaching and you're hearing and you're in classes and in chapels. And, uh, go, and every church in Tulsa, like you go to church in Tulsa, if you ever go to church in Tulsa, if you ever get stuck in Tulsa and you're going to church on a Sunday, it is going to be a church that believes in praying in tongues. I'm just telling you. Are y'all with me? So... 
Every Sunday, every chapel, every, like everything in four years. So then I graduate, I move back home to Atlanta. When I go back home to Atlanta, I'm trying to find a church. And so um, our founder actually spoke at Oral Roberts one time while I was there, and I heard that his son had a church in Atlanta, so I went to that church. And that ended up being my church and our church. It's connected to our churches here, and it's a long story. But for at least a year or two there, I went to church there every Sunday and never prayed in tongues. And every Sunday, he would give an altar call, and he'd give an altar call for salvation, rededication, church membership, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. And every Sunday, he would say, he would have everybody like, hey, look at the person next to you and ask them, do they have the Holy Spirit? And every Sunday, somebody would look at me and say, do you have the Holy Spirit? And every Sunday, I would say yes. I wasn't lying, though. They were asking the wrong question. Wasn't my fault they didn't ask me the right question. I was saved. I have the Holy Spirit. But what they were really asking was, have I been filled with the Holy Spirit? Do I speak in other tongues? And the answer to that was no. And I, and I grew in God, and I was getting closer to God, and I, I hit this spiritual ceiling. I don't know if you ever hit one of these where, like, I'm doing everything I know. I'm praying. I'm reading. I'm going to church. I'm serving in church. I'm actually serving outside of church. I'm doing all this stuff, but I feel like I can't break through this ceiling. I can't go any higher. I can't get any closer to God. I'm just, I'm just bumping up against this, and I feel like I'm stuck. And I'll never forget this. I had an apartment, and I, and, and, and I had a spare room in this apartment. There was no furniture or anything, and it was just literally a spare room. And I was in there, and I was praying, and I was like, God, I've hit this ceiling, and I want to know you more. I want to get closer to you. I want more. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do anything else. And I just said, God, if this Holy Spirit thing is from you. Now, mind you, I knew all the scriptures. The scriptures I'm going to share with you today, I knew them. They had been taught right at Oral Roberts. They had been taught at the church I was going to. Like, but God, if, if you want me to have it, because maybe some kind of way I'm special. If you want me to have it, God, I, I'll take it because I just, I, I, I want more. I got to break through this ceiling. And the very next Sunday, the pastor preaches and gives an altar call, gives the same altar call. And this time I actually go up front. Now, at this point, everybody in the church knew me. I mean, everybody in the church knew me. Because I was the only person in our church who looked like me. <laughs> the only one. So even if we hadn't met, you knew me. Four of y'all got that. I go up front, everybody knows me. They're not, you know, I know they're like, what is, what is going on with Heaven? Did Heaven just walk away? Did Heaven, is that, what's Heaven doing? Did he sin? Did he do? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I just, I go up, and they, and, they, and they pray for you, and then they take you in this room, and they take you in this room, and they go over me, and the scriptures we're going to go over today. I promise we're going to get to the scriptures today. And they go over them, and, and I'm sitting in there, and, and I'm like, God, I want this, but this is, this is weird. This is weird. Why are we in a room? Why, why, did, we, why did we leave? What are, what are we doing? And, and, and like they're saying stuff that I don't know what it means. You know, like Holy Ghost. I look around like, is there a ghost in here? Like, like I need to know if there's a ghost in here. I don't see any ghost. And, and you know, 
baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I already got baptized. What, what, like you going, are you going to dunk me in the Holy Spirit or something? Like what, what, I don't know what we're talking about here. I don't know what's going on here. And it felt like you could not leave that room until you started speaking gibberish. It was like all the doors were locked. It felt like a dark room. I don't know that any of this is true. It's just how it felt, right? And so they're walking me through these scriptures, and I'm like, okay, okay, I already know that. I already know. I'm not saying this, but I'm thinking that. And they're like, okay, now it's time for you to pray. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, okay, wait, whoa, whoa. I'm an intellectual guy. I have to like, maybe not intellect. I'm analytical. Man, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I'm super smart. No, 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 no. I'm analytical. I like to think things through, right? So, so I'm in there, and I'm like, wait, okay, but you want me to do what? Just open your mouth and let the Holy Spirit speak through you. What? That is never, like, what, what are we talking about? But I'm like, they're not going to let me leave. <laughs> so all of a sudden in my head, it's like, okay, um, I, I might just make up some stuff. Oh, don't act like y'all wouldn't have thought that. <laughs> like, I got to get out of this room. I go to church here, so, like, I can't be rude. I can't just walk out. Like, maybe if I just make some stuff up. But then I thought, wait, if I make stuff up, they might be like, no, that's wrong. Because this is super spiritual, and I don't know, like, I don't know if they'll be able to know that I'm making this up. So, like, I can't make it up, and I can't just leave. Like, I'm stuck. I'm in a dilemma. And I don't like to let people down. Like, I, I, I really don't like it. So I'm in there, and I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. I don't understand. But, and they're like, well, you got to open your mouth. And I'm like, what, what? Come on. Come on now. Okay. And they're all praying in tongues. And, like, so now it's a dark, closed, like, and it's loud now. Like, everybody's praying in tongues. And they're, <laughs> sorry, I'm, like, in the moment. But there's like one person listening to me. <laughs> Mr. Vanessa, am I, that's, the tr that's how we do it, right? I mean, that, that's how it's done. I don't, that's not how we, but anyways. So like it's really loud. Everybody's praying in tongues. There's one person, like, like I'm right here, and they're sticking their ear just so they can hear. And so I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I got, I'm not going to be able to get out of this room. So I close my eyes, and I just, and I, and I open my mouth, and it's like, I don't know about us. And then the person next to me is like, yes, yes, yeah. And then everybody else stops praying in tongues. Everybody's like, yes. And I'm like, what? That is not what I thought. But I, I, don't, I don't succumb to peer pressure. Like, I didn't just say, I didn't just say it to say something. Like, I, it like actually happened, but it was like that. And they were excited, and, they, and I was like, wait, but I thought, like, it had to be, like, four hours. And they're like, no, 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 not, you got it. Now you just need to keep doing it, and it'll grow. 
and it'll grow. And the next week, I went back to that same apartment, to that open room, and I sat in there, and I just, it just started with like a couple syllables. And then before you knew it, I could pray on demand in the spirit for as long or as short as I needed to. And it just, it developed, and it grew. But I had to, I had to get over so much of myself and my own fears and my own desire to not look foolish in front of people to be able to receive that. Today I want to show you many of those scriptures that they showed me then and, and walk you through today um, this promise of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit has come and what that means for us. And next week, um, Lord willing, we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does when we are filled with the Spirit and we pray in other tongues and we speak in other tongues. And, and the final week, we're going to talk about how we actually receive the Holy Spirit and, and what that looks like and some of, some of what I've just described to you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 24. That is definitely the longest introduction I've ever given in the history of my sermons. Um, Luke chapter 24, I want to read to you a few verses of what Jesus said, beginning in verse 46. It says, and he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now, I got stuck on this in first service. Let me just say this really quickly because I cannot read it without this just jumping out at me in such a large way. But here, when Jesus is talking about salvation and talking about repentance and forgiveness of sins, he is, he is intentional about saying that this should be proclaimed to all nations. Start in Jerusalem, but it should not stay in Jerusalem. It should go to all nations. You know the word of God is for everybody. The word of God is not just for a nation. The word of God is not just for a church or a state or a city or a people group. That the word of God is for all nations, all ethnicities, all people, all tribes, all all of us. God's plan all the way back to Genesis and for the rest of eternity is that we be united together in him and with him. Not splitting up into this group and that group, and this group loves Jesus and that group loves Jesus. No, that all the groups, all the nations coming together to love Jesus together. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Now, he doesn't say, I'm sending the promise of my Father. And the promise of my Father is the Holy Spirit. The promise of my Father in you because a believer already has the Holy Spirit in them. When you give your life to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. We don't have time, but there are many scriptures that reveal to us that Every believer has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. So this is not a matter of heaven or hell. This is not a matter of, um, of, of, of does the Holy Spirit live in you. But Jesus here is talking about something else. He is saying, I am sending the promise of my Father not in you but upon you, which we're going to see is something different than the Holy Spirit being in you. I'm going to receive the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to send the promise of my Father, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just going to be in you, but the Holy Spirit is going to be upon you. And with the Holy Spirit being upon you, that is going to bring power to you, dunamis power to you. Now, that power is not natural power. That power is power from on high. That power is what we would call supernatural power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he's saying that this is a promise from his Father. 
Now, in John chapter 16, um, verses 4 through 7, let me read to you what Jesus said there. He says, but I have said these things to you, that when, the, when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. He's talking to his disciples. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. So he's saying, here, there's some things I got to tell you, and I haven't yet told you because I've been with you. You didn't need to know them as long as I'm with you. But now, in verse 5, I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. He's saying, listen, I haven't told you this stuff because I've been with you, but now I'm about to leave you, and because I'm about to leave you, you're, so, you're, you're, you're upset. You're sad. And listen, if we were the disciples, we would be upset. We would be sad at Jesus walking with him every day, him protecting us, him getting us out of impossible situations, him walking on water, him, him doing all these amazing things, and him to say, hey, I'm leaving, you're on your own, like we would have been sorrowful too. And Jesus is like, you're not even asking me where I'm going, you don't even know why this is happening, but you're just mad and you're just upset because I'm leaving. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the helper is the Holy Spirit. The helper is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus here is saying, listen, I've been with you, and that's been good, but it's about to get better. You're upset because I'm telling you that I'm leaving, but actually, this is better for you because when I leave, I'm going to send the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, your helper, to come and be in you and have the opportunity to be upon you to bring power from heaven into your life. And, and, and listen, with Jesus... Being gone, now the Holy Spirit can be in me and upon me here in Austin. It can be in you and upon you as you travel. It can be on all of us that are believers at all times. But as Jesus was here, he could only be in one place at one time. It is better for him to go and for us to receive the Holy Spirit. It is better for us. This is one of the reasons why the Bible tells us that Jesus did these amazing works. And we read about some of the amazing works, but it says that we can do greater works than these. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us and the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be upon us. We have the power of God with us at all times. We don't have to actually be physically standing next to Jesus to experience supernatural power from him. He says, it's better if he goes away and the Holy Spirit comes. Now, there's a lot that we're going to have to talk about over the next three weeks, and I'm sure there's going to be questions even after that for our live discussion. But one of the things I want to point out here is that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. If you read out of the King James, many times there's a small error in the translation of referring to Holy Spirit as an it. Even saying the Holy Spirit experience is like, uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is a third person of the Trinity. So when we talk about Holy Spirit, you, you very rarely will hear me say the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm talking to Chet, I'm going to say Chet. I'm not going to say the Chet. Chet didn't graduate from the Ohio State University. I don't think you did. No, I know Chet. Chet didn't go to know the Ohio State University. Like, we don't need to put the in. It's Chet. It's Holy Spirit. Like, if we're talking about a thing, then, you know, the chair. But if I'm talking about a person, it's just the person's name. Holy Spirit is a person. And Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13. It said, 
what father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father, now listen, listen, we could say give good gifts, right? Like God gives better gifts than we give. If we're evil just because, you know, we're in this fallen world and we're able to give good gifts to our kid, how much better does God give good gifts? But it doesn't just say good gifts. Here he says, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Holy Spirit is a good gift from God. And Jesus goes on to explain that this is a good gift, just like we wouldn't give our kids a stone or a serpent or something that would harm them, God is not going to give us something that would harm us. As a matter of fact, the best gift that we've ever given our kids pales in comparison to the type of gifts and the ability of gifts that God gives to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all staying with me? So Jesus here in Luke 24 tells us, tells the disciples that they need to go and they need to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So I get that. I understand that. And many times this has been the place um, where um, churches or even maybe even denominations are, have taught that you have to wait on the Holy Spirit. Or, or maybe, you know, if you, let's be honest, they probably didn't say wait on the Holy Spirit. They said you have to tarry for the Holy Spirit. Now, if I could hoop and holler, I would do it right there. I can't do it. But that's not just a cultural thing. That, that's across all kinds of churches that you have to wait and you have to tarry for the Holy Spirit. And they get that because here Jesus says to the disciples, hey, go to Jerusalem and wait, tarry for the Holy Spirit to come. But go to Acts chapter 1. Let me, let me show you something because we're just going, the rest of our time, we're just going to walk through Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 for today. Um, I, I want to show you this in Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. It says in this First book, O Theo, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Now, let me pause right here. Here, this is, again, reiterating what we just read in Luke chapter 24, that there is a promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, and they have to, they have to wait for that promise. And, and at the end of verse 4, you heard from me, and then in verse 5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let me pause right here. Now, when you go and you read through the book of Acts and you read through the New Testament, here is what happened. When people believed in Jesus, they believed and they were baptized. Like, that, that's what happened. They were believed and they were baptized. That, that was, it was like, and, and you read even stories of like, okay, now I understand the scriptures. Now I believe what's keeping me from getting baptized. Like, salvation and baptism went together every time in the New Testament. Like, that's what happened. Um, and, and here, so the, the di disciples would not have baptized someone if they did not first believe. They understood this doctrine that to be baptized was a public profession of their faith. So if you had not publicly professed your faith, then you would not have been baptized. So when we read this here, it says, um, 
you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this, this is telling us that there were people who were already baptized with water, meaning they were already saved. They had already given their lives to Jesus. Holy Spirit was already on the inside of them. But now there is something else to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not everybody who got saved, even in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in, in two weeks, we're going to read one of the stories in Acts chapter 14 about that, where there was a group of people that, like, they, they, were, they knew about Jesus. They were trying to follow Jesus, but they never even heard of the Holy Spirit. But whenever you read about people being filled with the Holy Spirit or having the Holy Spirit come upon them, what went with that was speaking and praying in tongues. So salvation and baptism went together in, in Acts and in the New Testament. Being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues go together in the New Testament. They're, they're, the speaking in tongues, the praying in tongues is an, the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. But it is separate and it is apart from actual salvation. Now, if you give your life to Jesus but you never get filled with the Spirit and you never pray in other tongues, do you go to heaven? Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it. You could be an amazing Christian. You can be an amazing churchgoer. If, if we make it here longer than you, we will celebrate you at your home going. We will honor you. We will talk good about you. And, and everybody, it would be amazing. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a heaven or hell issue. But if you truly want to be empowered to do everything God wants you to do and be everything God wants you to be and operate in the power to the fullest of what God wants for you and to do in you and through you, then you need his gift of the Holy Spirit to give you that supernatural power that comes from on high. It's not a heaven or hell issue. Here we see they had already been baptized with water, but now they'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, so they still had to wait. So when they had come together, they asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were so consumed with restoring this natural earthly kingdom. But God was, Jesus was always talking about <laughs> the heavenly kingdom. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power, that same power from Luke 24, that dunamis power. When the Holy Spirit has come, again, not in you, but upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And again, I can't read this without this just jumping out at me so big. In Jerusalem, um, you know, that was a, a city that, you know, there's a lot of Jewish people there. Uh, and so they, they go to Jerusalem and they start in Jerusalem. That's what they would have been familiar with and telling people about Jesus. But then you go to uh, Judea, which, which was still kind of a Jewish region. And so, you know, you're still giving the gospel to predominantly one group, one type of people, one group of people. But then to Samaria is not just, this is not just about start in your city, go to your state, go to your country, go to the world. This is also about start with the people where where you are, but do not finish with the people where you are. 
This is not just you tell people who you're friends with, who are in your family, who look like you, who think like you, who live where you live, who make it what you make and do like Like, this is not just that. This is go tell the Jews and the Gentiles. Go tell the people that are with you and the people who live far away. Go tell the people who have your custom and the people who don't have your custom. The word is for everybody. The Holy Spirit is for everybody. And we should be people who have the power, who have the dunamis from on high to be able to go into every man's world, go into all the world. And make disciples. So the rest of this, Jesus was then lifted up out of their sight, and two men in white robes asked why they're looking into heaven, and they say, this is Jesus who was taken up, and there'll be another time where just as you've seen him take up is the way that he will go, and the disciples, they go back to Jerusalem, they go into, if you've been in church, what you've probably heard of as this upper room, and they go into this upper room, and they're devoting themselves to prayer and to unity, and, and also at the end of this, we read about how Peter leads the, the 120 disciples, because there were different levels of disciples in choosing Matthias to replace. Judas. If you don't know about Judas, um, Google Judas because we don't have time to tell you about Judas. Um, but Google Judas and Bible because if you just Google Judas, I don't know what may come up. But so they had to replace Judas, and so Matthias joins the twelve. And then let's go to chapter two, verse one, and, and let me read a few verses, and, and we'll be done for today. In verse one, it says, "When the day of Pentecost arrived, now many people who um, maybe you grew up in church that didn't really believe in tongues and interpretation of tongues and praying in tongues, this is this probably just even the word Pentecost might make you a little nervous because um, you think about a Pentecostal church, right? And people running around and shouting and praying in tongues and falling out and doing all this stuff and you whatever your thoughts on that. But this is where it comes from. It's the day of Pentecost arrived. They were all together in one place. Now um, there's." so much unity here that these guys, they are doing what Jesus told them. They're in this upper room. They're in the right place. They are together. They are devoted themselves to praying. They are one, and they are unified. Let me just take a side note. Many times, you know, we look at what Jesus did and what happened in the New Testament and what we read in the Bible, and we're like, man, I wish that happened more now. Why isn't God doing that more now? All these amazing things I read about, like, I want to walk on water. You know, I want to do this. I want, I want that to happen. But, but part of it, when you go through and read the book of Acts, I went through several months ago, and I just, every, every time that I saw unity, I just wrote the word unity in the book of Acts in my Bible. And you cannot get four or five verses without some form of unity with God and unity with other people. Here they are unified, and part of the problem that we're not seeing the power of God work in our lives and in our, in our homes and in our schools and even in our churches because we're not unified. We're not unified. We're divided. We're divided. We're, we're divided on Sunday morning. We're divided along ethnic lines. We're divided along theology lines. We're divided along whether or not you believe God wants you to have money or not have money, whether he wants you healed or not healed, whether you speak in tongues or you don't speak in tongues. We're divided on whether you're expressive in your worship or you're um, subdued in your worship. We're divided on, oh, we're divided on, we're just divided. We're divided. The body of Christ is divided. Satan has divided us. And because of that, we don't see what we see in the scriptures because we fight over things like the tithe. Like, is the tithe a New Testament? I don't, think I, has, I don't think I should tithe. I mean, that was Old Testament, right? I heard somebody say that right once, right? It's got, it's got okay, cool, cool. You want a New Testament church? You, 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 you don't believe that the tithe is the New Testament? First of all, the tithe predated the Old Testament, so I don't know how you justify that. Um, but but you, you want this New Testament church? This New Testament church? They were so unified. 
that they sold everything they had, they brought it together and was like, we're one. If it's mine, it's yours. If it's yours, it's mine. Not just, hey, I'm going to go give an offering, but I'm going to give everything I have. I'm going to take this house that I had, I'm going to sell it because I'm going to make sure you're good. That, is that what you're talking about? That, that's, you don't want to return the tithe? You want to have a New Testament experience? Because, you know, house, house, housing prices in Round Rock, they have skyrocketed. Mm. Don't, if you're new here, listen, we're not about to do that. We're not, we're not about to like, everybody bring your, your, your mortgage notes in here. We're going to sell. We got to, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. I'm just making the point that they were so unified. They were so together that things like a difference in understanding or a difference in ethnicity did not separate them. They were willing to give everything they had. And some of us aren't even willing to give, not y'all, other people aren't willing to give a Sunday morning or give a, a faith group time or uh, I'm not going to bash. Here we go. And suddenly, you know, God, God specializes in suddenly. And this suddenly comes after great unity. If you need a suddenly and you're not experiencing it, you might need to start looking for more unity instead of a quicker suddenly. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested, not in each one of them, but on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together Unity again, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? So remember, in Luke 24, Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the promise of my Father, but you got to go to Jerusalem and you got to wait for it. Now, here in Acts chapter 2, we read the Holy Spirit came. They were waiting, and he came. This should make perfect sense, but we have, we have um, gotten so deep into theology that we have made this confusing. Now think about this. If you invite me to your house, and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be there at 530, um, which is a minor miracle right there in itself because I have three kids and I love all of y'all, but I'm not going to your house at 530 because that means I'm going to be away from my kids. That may mean I'm never a great pastor, and I'm good with that. I'd rather be a great dad than a great pastor. I love you. I love them more. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm not coming at 530 because 530 I'm with my kids. But if I come at 530, and let's say at 528 I get there because I have been known to be a little early because to be on time is late and to be early is on time, right? I don't know why y'all act like y'all don't believe that. But let's say I get there at 528. I knock on the door. You open the door. You're like, hey, pastor, how are you? I'm like, man, good. I'm going to expect the next thing out of your mouth is come on in. The food is ready because that's why I'm coming, right? Like if I'm coming to your house, it's probably, okay, never mind, never mind. Okay, so I'm there, and it's 528. And I'm like, hey, pastor, how you doing? I'm good. I'm expecting you to say come on in. But if you're like, man, we've been waiting on you. I was like, I'm here. Yeah, let's wait a little bit longer. 
See, you told me you were going to come at 5.30. I was told you were going to come at 5.30. I thought you were going to come at 5.30. So I need to wait. I need to wait because it's not 5.30 yet. And I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> Why are we waiting? I'm already here. Why, why are we waiting for me to get here when I'm already here? That doesn't make any sense. Right? Now, you may not open your door till 530, but I would be there at 528. When we talk about waiting on the Holy Spirit now, like you gave your life to Christ and you have to tarry, you have to wait on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is already here. The Holy Spirit's already at the door. If you are waiting on the Holy Spirit then you're just at the door with him there and y'all are just waiting. And I don't know what you're waiting on because Jesus promised that he would come. He told him to wait, but then he came and he didn't leave. He's still here and he's still at the door and he's waiting on you to open the door. And all you got to do is open the door and he's right there. And then invite him in. That's it. But you can, you can open the door and you can say, hey, Holy Spirit, I know you're there, but I was told I got to wait on you. So let's wait. He's a gentleman. He's more patient than me. He will wait. But make no mistake about it. You don't have to wait for somebody who's already here. He's already here. Here in this, he shows up. And, and he comes upon them, and, and they are what we would say is filled with the Holy Spirit, or have the Holy Spirit upon them, and immediately they begin to speak in other tongues. Now, here it tells us that they speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, which is why when I was in that dark, closed, locked room, gated room, that they were saying, like, you have to open your mouth and speak and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you, and that sounds weird, and it sounds uneasy, and it sounds intense. Intimidating, but it is as the Spirit gives them utterance. Now, over the next several weeks, we're going to have to separate and talk about and teach about. There is something called the gift of the Spirit where there is a tongue and an interpretation of tongue. And that is given as the Spirit gives utterance. Like, we don't decide as a staff, hey, today, everybody be ready. There's going to be a tongue, and I'm going to give the interpretation. Like, no, no, no. Now, God might tell us beforehand, but we don't decide that. It's as the Spirit gives utterance. As we pray in other tongues. We're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. We can pray in other tongues whenever we want, but what comes out of our mouth is as the Spirit gives utterance. We don't understand that. It sounds like gibberish, but it is as the Spirit gives us utterance. They were filled. They began to speak they were filled and they were beginning to speak. That is the pattern that we see throughout the New Testament of people who were filled with the Spirit and the Spirit begins to give them utterance. But here in these particular verses, I don't hear this talked about a whole lot. But once I saw this, I was like, wait, wait, wait. This is one of the verses that I was given to, to begin praying in the Spirit. That here the Spirit comes and the Spirit gives them utterance and you open your mouth and you speak and the Spirit prays. But here, it is actually, as they opened their mouth, it was languages that these other people understood. It wasn't what I did in that locked, closed room. In the sense of those few syllables that came out when I opened my mouth, that, that was not Spanish or German or French. Like, that, that, was, that was not that language. 
This here in Acts 1 is the first example that we see of this, and this is one of the ways that this may happen, but this is not the way that it happens most of the time. Most of the time when you're praying in tongues, you're not going to be able to understand and nobody else will be able to understand what it is that you're praying, even though the Spirit is still giving you utterance. But this absolutely can happen. I have to close this out, but maybe it was a year or two ago, one of our ministers told me the story that there was a person in the church that said, asked them, hey, does pastor know Spanish? And I was like, no, man, no, not at all. Like, I'm a country boy from Georgia. I don't know Spanish. And they said, no, no, pastor doesn't know Spanish. They're like, are you sure pastor doesn't know Spanish? And I was like, listen, trust me, I don't know Spanish. Like, unless it's uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, like, I don't know. I don't don't know Spanish. I would love to know Spanish. I just, I don't know Spanish. And they they said, no, no, pastor doesn't know Spanish. Why do you ask? They said, well, he was praying in, in, in the spirit. He was praying in other tongues. And I was praying in Spanish, and then as soon as he began to speak, he word for word said what I was praying. Like, did he hear me? And I was like, listen, even if I heard you, which I wouldn't have been able to hear you, like, I don't speak Spanish. Again, if you didn't say one, two, three, four, five, or six, seven or eight, I don't know that I could have picked up nueve. Is that nine? Diez is so short, I probably would have missed Unless you said one through nine, like, and then that doesn't make sense. Like, no, absolutely not. But what was it? It was one of the ways that the Holy Spirit, as I was praying, and I didn't understand it, it wasn't Spanish, that God in a supernatural way begins to bring things together and uses that gift not just for us but for others. Let me finish this in in verse 14 through 18 here in Acts chapter 2. It says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. I love this. This is so funny to me, right? Like, these people are speaking crazy. They're probably like, you know, this is Pentecost. So if you've ever been to a Pentecostal church, even if you didn't think it was real, this is probably some real version of that, right? Like, Holy Spirit comes. It's this amazing thing. They're speaking in other languages. They're, you might have heard, like, drunk in the spirit. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. But this is something where they're acting in a way where these people think, oh, they're drunk. <laughs> and this is so funny to me. This is so funny to me because what, what, what it, um, who, who is this? Peter. What Peter said was, no, 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 they're not drunk because it's only the third hour. Like, not, not that, hey, they're Christians. They don't get drunk. There's no way, though. No way he's drunk. I know him. He's a good man. He's not drunk. It's not that. It's, hey, it's too early for them to be drunk. <laughs> like, uh, that messes with your theology. Like, it's just like, like, no, 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 no. It's too early. It's too early. That's the only reason I can tell you. Like, you got to believe me, it's too early for them to, oh, man, that's funny to me. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not in all flesh, but on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
So here we read in Acts chapter 2, the fulfillment of this promise that the Holy Spirit has come. And the Holy Spirit is not just in us, but the Holy Spirit can rest upon us and has been poured out for us. And he's still here. And he's available to every believer. The only prerequisite for being filled with the Spirit or having the Holy Spirit upon you is that you be a believer. And I would add that you be open to asking him, that you ask, ask and you shall receive. But this is a good gift that God has given. And listen, you may have been taught otherwise. You may have experienced people misusing or abusing um, the gifts of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. You may have had people telling you that they were falling out in the power of the Spirit, but you know good and well that that wasn't true, that wasn't accurate. None of that experience negates the Scripture. If you allow your experience to shape your theology, then you are going to be, like it talks about in the book of James, pushed from side to side, and every wind is going to take you from side to side, and you're never going to be solidified in what you believe and what you, what you stand for. You can never allow your experience to shape your theology because that is dangerous. Listen, if you walked in here today and you came straight from this parking lot into this sanctuary, you might say that Faith for Life is a church that has white walls and gray walls and screens, a whole bunch of screens, too many screens. And if you leave and you go right back out to the parking lot, that may be all that you know about Faith for Life in this campus at 1000 McNeil Road. But if you came in and you went in here and then you went over to what we call our butler building and then you went over to our kids world and then for some reason you went into our administration building and then you went back to our prayer room, you would have a bigger understanding of what this campus is and what's here and what's not here. And if your experience is only you come here and you come out, then you, you would have no idea that all these other buildings, what they are and what they do and what they look like and what they have the capacity to do. So if you allow your experience because you walked into one building, shape your entire theology, then really what you're saying is, hey, God, I know better. I know you said that the Holy Spirit is a gift and it can be upon us, but look, I've been in that building. I haven't been in the other buildings, but I've been in that building, so I know. Don't allow your experience, someone else's misuse or abuse to shape what you believe. Because that's a dangerous place. And that's not just you and somebody else. That includes me. And we say this all the time. If we can't show it to you in the Bible, then it's just my opinion. You can take my opinion. You can throw it out with the trash. And I will do everything I can to make sure that it is clear when I'm giving you my opinion. Because I try not to give you my opinion. And everybody that comes up here will do the same thing. But the Holy Spirit has been poured out for you and he's already in you, but now he wants to be upon you. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.